Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me in my podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to interview women heroines and sometimes heroes about their heroine's journey and find out what has taken them over the threshold and into the unknown. And sometimes they meet dragons there on the other side, but always, always they grow and benefit from being out there in, in the unknown and learning. So today, I'm really pleased to have Erin Curran be with us today. Erin, welcome. Thank you so much, Susanna. It's a joy and a privilege to be with you and your audience. Let me say a few words about you. Erin has done a lot, which we're going to talk about. In fact, it's I don't even know where we're going to begin, but <laughs> she is a lifelong learner. She is an artist, a performer, life coach, and teacher. After earning her PhD in French, so I have to wrap my head around that one, PhD in French, me who took three years of French in high school and can say, um, um, not much, <laughs> bonjour, um, and teaching in academia, she realized she was doing, this is so key to this whole conversation she realized she was doing somebody's dream dream job but just not hers she has since rediscovered her love of dance and movement and teaches nia which we'll ask her to explain to us to adults of all ages erin has found joy and gratification in serving others through the art and practice of life coaching and I happen to know that recently she has become an official accredited, what's the um, ACC, Associate Life Coach. Yes. And um, in addition, we're going to talk about this too, Erin performs monthly as part of the Teller's Garden, which is a playback theater company. And let's not forget that she has a wonderful husband, Bob. And she has a dog, but she didn't tell me her dog's name. Decaf. Decaf. <laughs> Decaf was cappuccino in the shelter and came at us with a lot of energy. So we. <laughs> Perfect. So again, welcome. I love it that you're here and that I captured you, Erin. So thank you. <laughs> so when I talk about when I mentioned those things and then I have the list here of what there's you crossing several thresholds you 
um, leaving academia, you getting sober, you learning Nia, you teaching Nia, you becoming a life coach, you, um, what am I missing? The Teller's Garden, where you first did playback theater and that morphed into Teller's Garden. So yeah. when I say all those things to you, what stands out? Boy, Susanna, this was, this was a big one. What would you start with? Yeah. Well, really for me, um, I was living, I was living, I like to say sometimes call it like by default. I was sort of going through the motions of my life, um, doing what I thought other people expected of me and doing what I thought society, you know, expected of me to some extent, making things look good on the outside for many years. And when I think about that time in my life compared to now, the pivotal point in changing that for me was getting sober. Yeah. Um, and of course, there is a lot that goes into that and it's not an overnight affair, um, but it is um, something for me that really was changed everything. Yeah. You know, I'm coming to realize from the women that I'm meeting and the many wonderful, amazing heroine stories, journey stories that I hear that getting sober, the road of recovery, is probably one of the hugest heroines, heroes, journeys of them all. And it it hits all the points, um, having the courage to cross a threshold and go into the unknown. So I'm thinking if I'm remembering, well, okay, one thing at a time. So if I'm remembering correctly, you were in a Nia class when somebody asked you, your teacher, I think, yeah, was, are you, were you okay? And yeah. that facade that you had built and, and I'm picturing you because of course my alma, alma mater is one of the schools, Colby, that you actually taught in. Yeah. And it's such an elevated academia place as are the other places you taught. And, and she asked you if you were okay. And you said, the facade kind of slipped. And what did what do you mean by that? How did how did that happen? Yeah, it was like there was a crack, a, cra a crack, a chink in the wall, and a little light came in. And for that moment, I got honest. And I was almost speaking, um, I was almost speaking, it felt like out of turn or without my my inner, um, my inner critic's permission or my inner you know, that voice that inside that's sort of like, oh, don't, don't be too honest, or don't go there, that might get us in trouble. Um, <laughs> I know so, yeah. that voice, yeah. I would have to say that um, Nia, the practice of Nia, and my teacher at the time's name is Maggie. Um, and so I credit Maggie for for holding that space and and being my first Nia teacher. And for me, getting into my body, and doing something I've always loved to do, dance, giving myself permission to express, to use my voice, to be powerful and soft, to balance these kind of yin-yang qualities through movement, I think was absolutely directly, unequivocally correlates to my <laughs> honesty, my ability to get honest in that moment with that person. 
and really what what catapulted me into a sober life um and and that's why i continue to teach nia and and feel um so that it has such an impact and power to this day in my life so i should tell people that i was lucky enough to be on in one of your classes over zoom so i know kind of i do what it's like um can you tell us about nia what can you yeah. say to people who don't have any idea maybe have never heard of it before sure and um nia this year nia is actually celebrating 40 years of existence so it was launched as the one of the original fusion fitness class uh classes in 1983 and what it fuses is it blends the energy of martial arts with dance and mindfulness or the healing arts. And in summary, for me, um, Nia is an experience, a physical experience that invites all of me to show up. It invites my emotions, my spirit, my imagination onto the dance floor and um, and I'm encouraged to express and personalize and really find the release I'm seeking. That can be a great sweaty workout where I really feel my edges and feel the conditioning benefits. It can also be using my voice, punching, kicking, um, softening, playing with, for example, claw hands, scratching the space. I'm never I continue to be amazed by how my mind and my imagination will bring images and bring these the sensory awareness into my dance and something that needs getting out is able to express in the Nia class. Um, and the, the 52 moves class, the move it class that you experienced is really the language of Nia, the physical moves that start in the base and work all the way up to the finger techniques um, that we spend a minute on each. So you really get that sampler, if you will, um, an interval workout. But the classic Nia class is uh, combining these these moves with the music to create a magic that I certainly feel as teacher and it's my aim to pass that on and inspire that in my students. And if I'm understanding, you're saying that taking that class had a lot to do with you breaking through that facade and and we talk about it as the um there was an ambiguity, there was a disconnect in, in how you were living your life and who you were. And to me so much, that's what I work with with women is to get that incongruence. And, um, and so I think what you're saying is the body is so important to bring into the equation. Oh, exactly, exactly. I was working with a client um, just recently and I bring a lot of those embodiment exercises or um, prompts into, my, into the coaching space for exactly that reason, Susanna. It's like a person's body has so much information that's not necessarily conscious. And when we can make that more, bring that to the foreground in a coaching session and have them see, oh, uh, make a connection, have an insight, 
based off of simply what their body did when prompted. Um, you know, in the case of a recent client, it was, you know, show me your body at work, you know, completely different body posture and gesture than how she feels in another context. You know, she's not happy at work. Um, and, and just feeling into that contrast was so insightful. And it led to, you know, uh, not only an insight, but something that she could take forward into her week and actually use to begin to align, to find that coherence you're speaking about. Right. Um, and it's right. a small step toward a much larger goal, obviously, but I, I'm, the body is, is an incredible source of wisdom and, um, and, and knows, <laughs> knows it keeps the score as we say, you know, we don't want those issues in our tissues and that's why we move. <laughs> <laughs> right we don't want because the body is always keeping track and we may not you know that's in my life at least that's what it was it was like um I felt like I could I could live behind this facade and be okay and just drink down my discontent or you know drink away my discomfort but the body knows the body body it's, it's all getting just stuffed in there somewhere Definitely stuffed. And I think so many, well, so much of the, the work that I do with the heroine's journey is people stuck in that comfort zone, in that facade, afraid to let it go. And so to hear that in some way, getting the body involved to work with you is a great tool. It's a, to me, it's a sentient being, right? That can inform um, you and your journey. Yeah. And it's interesting, Erin, and I'm sure everybody says this to you. So while you're talking and having been in your class and then having been in the telling garden, watch that. Um, but I've seen how when you talk, you're, it's like you're dancing, <laughs> you're moving your arms and it's lovely to watch. Thank you. And, um, and the body expressiveness, the you know, so much of what we communicate and what we understand from other people is nonverbal. Yeah. And um, or or in the tone, the volume tone that we use, it's not necessarily the words. And so much of that um, has become clearer and clearer to me over the course of of time. Um, and improv is a great example of that where we're with other people stepping into the unknown together, right? And picking Very, up on those subtle cues. Right. So let's talk about that. Yeah. The Keller's Garden. Love improv. Love it. Not that I, well, I have taken a class in it, but watching it is just so much fun. And I feel like I could just throw anything at you right now out of the blue and you'd be able to react perfectly because you're so used to that. <laughs> so talk about um, the teller's garden. And, and I will tell people when I went, and so it's every first Friday yes. here in Maine um, and in Portland, though, as I understand it, it's worldwide. Yes. Playback theater is Play worldwide. Yeah. And yeah. so how does that explain please how it works? Yeah, absolutely. Um, playback theater is a unique form of improvisation where audience members raise their hand, all volunteer and, and 
come up to the front of the stage and tell a story, a true story, share a story from their lives. And it can be a moment, it can be a memory, it can be a more fully fleshed out story. And the conductor for the evening or the MC who's there with them listening as are the improvisers and the audience, we're all hearing this story for the first time. Um, could have been something that happened earlier that day or something from their childhood or any number of things. Um, we live such storied lives, you know, when we think about it. We do. Um, the conductor then chooses a form. We rehearse these forms as a company. And then the teller's asked to sit. We call the person who volunteers from the audience the teller. The teller is asked to sit in the front in a special chair designated for them. And then they watch the improvisers play back what we've all just heard without any planning or preparation. The only planning that the group has is the form that the conductors called and the group knows what that means, whether it's a fluid sculpture, a narrative V, a harmony circle, a fluid duet, uncast story, chorus. There's a number of forms that we that we use. And so all the improvisers know is, okay, we're going to take what we just heard and we're going to put it into this form and watch what happens. And that's what we say. We say, let's watch together. Let's watch. And I'd love to hear what the experience was like for you as an audience member new to playback. Oh my gosh. So number one, let me just say, I was amazed at how you could take this snippet. And there was, as I remember, particularly a lot of teenage girls being the tellers. Um, and so all kinds of stories and you just take it in like that. And then you create a thing of beauty around it. I mean, what you, I know, of course, that you rehearse the forms, but you're just all at the same time taking in this story and interpreting it through your individual filters and harmonizing it with everybody else in the acting group at the same time. It's a thing of beauty to watch. And so and so imagine people listening, what it's like being the person in the chair, having relayed, this is my story and seeing it back. And they were definitely very moved. And I was moved and it wasn't my story. It was, um, it's quite an experience and it's quite a gift, I think, you give to those people. Mm, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I moved listening to you. It's what comes to mind is the universal, right? There's universal elements in all of our stories and your work with the heroine's journey really speaks to this. Like we can see commonalities and, and we can, we, we're having, you know, we're spiritual beings having this human experience. And whether it's a teenager from, um, you know, a, a foreign country or um, a, an older person who's lived lifetimes, you know, uh, or a, a very young person who we've had tellers who are, you know, no more than five years old come up there. And um, everyone, there's an element to everyone, what they share that we can relate to. And that's what we talk about. It's like the story is the pebble and it gets thrown into the, right. the water of the, of the improvisers. And what you see back is ripples of, of your experience. It won't be the exact pebble, you know, that you, that you shared the exact story, 
But what that affords us is new insights, new awareness, new ahas into how we're all connected. Right. And I would say to see your story in form, acted out, gives you that objective place and a perspective that you don't have when the story's all inside of you. And, Absolutely. and boy, what a learning tool, right? Um, and I think that certain parts of your company, and maybe I'm thinking more about Plague back than Teller's Garden, have actually done things like go into companies who are having conflict and act out the conflict so that the company can gain, gain that same perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. Um, we, we are for hire. So we do do um, corporate and nonprofit um, company and organizational retreats. We've done a number of those and also private parties and milestone occasions like retreats and retirements and birthdays and weddings. And what, what I'm thinking of recently is um, the work we do with a, a hospital in Maine where we go up and for their annual retreat, they hire us to come and play the stories from this leadership team. Yeah. And the stories that they're able to share coming together and just dive right in. And the depths, as you can imagine, that people share, the heart, the emotion. And this is what I personally love about playback is that unlike improv for comedy or like, you know, a lot of people think of whose line is it anyway? Right. Or, One of my know, favorite improv shows. shows, really yeah. fun stuff. Unlike those that are purely for comedy and for laughs, playback opens the door and creates a space for the range of human emotion, the poignant, the, the hilarious, and everything in between. And so when we go to these organizations and corporations and offer our services, the team, whoever is there in the room, really gets to dive much deeper, I would say, than a typical um, retreat allows uh, or affords giving this um, playback, given the uniqueness of the playback form. Mm. Maybe this is an unfair question, but of all of the <laughs> playback experiences, does one stand out that you could maybe describe to us that was particularly meaningful for you? Well, one that stands out for me is my first time ever conducting. Um, I, I conduct along with the artistic director of our company, uh, Jeep Amara, and it was my first time conducting. So this was in the former company called Portland Playback Theater. And it was, um, it, it was a young man, a refugee who came up to share his trauma. Mm. And I remember being feeling like, wow, this story is so big. And um, one of the gifts of playback is that we can play back someone's experience non-verbally. We can use our bodies. We can use metaphor. We can use the instruments at the music table. We can use these things to make the the to create the bigness, the incredible power of this experience without having to go into the details. Um, and he, you know, thankfully, um, I just remember that in particular as it was my first time conducting and it felt 
like a huge gift and also a huge responsibility right. to, um, to honor this young man's um, tragic um, experience. And um, yeah, and, and so unlike comedy improv, we really welcome stories of all intensities and um, flavors and um, yeah, and, and in the, you sometimes it's a, a, a tragic story or a traumatic event that we're looking at in hindsight and we can actually laugh about. And I do find that tellers are most often comfortable sharing something, even if it's incredibly poignant, they have some distance and some lightness around it at the time that they're ready to come up and share it with the audience. Right. Hmm. Well, I loved it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I've got to get you to work with me and work with the heroines and tell their journey stories. Absolutely. Are remarkable. Well, and and the time you went, we were partnering with a company of girls. And that's why we had so many of those younger voices in the room, which was super special. So we're always open, tellersgarden.com, to um, collaborating and to um, having conversations and working with other organizations um, and um, folks who want to want to to blend playback in with their missions. Absolutely. No, definitely. We're going to do that. <laughs> here. So I'm looking awesome. in, I'm making sure that of all these things we've hit the the big ones I I um you know so many women are listening and they are probably in the place where you might have been where you were before you crossed the threshold and let the light shine in and you were still keeping the facade and living the dream that was a dream to many to be in academia and probably rewarded well for it. And, um, and thinking, I can't do it. They, they haven't had that opportunity, perhaps that um, Maggie gave you. Um, so how, what would you say to them? Yeah. How do you drop the facade that maybe you've carried for so long, like everything's fine, I'm fine, when it's not? And yeah, I think that it's such a great um, question and, and place to draw our attention to. Um, just like you've said, um, since it does lead us to this feeling of stuck, like trapped almost, I don't feel like I have choices. And um, the first thing I would say is to really have compassion for yourself, yeah. you know, to not use this as an opportunity to ignite the judge and the inner, inner bully or inner critic and say, look at these other people, they've made the leap, what's wrong with you, you're fill in the blank, like we all have that voice. And this isn't the time for the inner bully, you know. And um, even Erin, I think that voice could be saying, look at what you have, look at where you've gotten yourself and you're complaining what's wrong with you. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that speaks very much to my own experience. It was, it was clearly a dream job. You know, these right. are wonderful institutions. Um, so um, what I would say after, after that, like have compassion for yourself, you know, self-care is huge. Um, if you don't already have an outlet, someone you can be honest with in your life, find someone, 
find someone you can be honest with. And it may not be the friend you always go on a walk with. It may be someone who doesn't know you as well, may be the best person to, to be confiding in, whether that's a coach or a therapist or, or someone you're reconnecting with over the decades. But having someone hear your authentic truth and hear yourself saying that, speaking that out to someone else, I feel like is a huge um, gift. And it really has helped me personally be able to notice what's true. If I'm saying something out loud to another person, right. you know, and it's not coherent, it's not aligned with what my truth is, I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. I notice like I'm uncomfortable in my skin. And that's that's gotten heightened as I've lived sober. I have a much lower tolerance for acting and speaking out of alignment with who I am. Yeah. Um, and so often, you know, it's easy to, um, uh, to, to say things when we're a little bit absent and numbed out, like it's easy to gossip if we're, you know, <laughs> the, not, not really in, in our integrity. And yes. so I would say, find someone who you can safely speak your truth to and then make small, small, start small. You know, what's one little thing I can do this week that would inch me towards um, this bigger change that I'm looking for? Those are some things that come to mind. Those are all great. And I, and I would agree. And I think sometimes people feel it has to be some big thing. And that's scary in itself. And those smaller steps. Absolutely. But what I'm coming to understand is that that's really our task in life is to become congruent with who we are and not have that ambiguous facade. Um, that's a job and it's the heroine's journey helps you get there. And the body, I think what you've brought to this discussion, which I don't talk about much because I should never say this in front of you, but I don't do enough with my body. <laughs> But um, but that's important. It's a really important piece. Yeah. Yeah. Our our bodies, our language, our emotions, um, these are fundamental pieces of who we are, how we show up. And if there's if we're overly in our heads yeah. or overly in our bodies, you know, or ignoring our emotions, we're we're gonna be out of that alignment. And I just got chills when you were talking about like, that's what we're here to do is be coherent and be a coherent expression of our spirit. You know, you are a unique spirit on this planet, Susanna, and no one is going to do what you're doing the way you do it. And your voice is so needed. And every person has that, that potential and, and like what a huge gift to actually move closer to speaking our truths and taking up that space authentically and saying, you know, this is, this is what I believe. And um, I'm standing in integrity, um, you know, walking my walk here. So on that wonderful note, I'm going to start bringing us to a close, but I just want to say one thing, and then I'm going to ask one thing. Um, what I'm 
going to say as part of my truth is I've been doing studies into what is this thing called the sacred feminine. And we talked about it a little bit when you and I talked earlier. And I'm coming to believe that the more women who are able to find that congruity, who bring their voice out and stand in their truth and say, even though they might feel foolish saying, I don't really want this expensive career that rewards me so much in academia or wherever. I want to just leave it. To have the courage to do that is bringing forward the sacred feminine, more of that feminine energy into the world, which is needed to balance with the masculine energy, neither being good nor bad. It just needs to be balanced is what I'm finding as I learn and research the topic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think speaking as a woman, um, I just finished a great book called The Body Liberation Project. And I know how much of our energy, and I'll speak for myself, can go into um, the facade, you yeah. know, appearance um and and the diet culture um uh, to name a, a one one thing that's a big energy suck and drain and i would say that as women um the more we sort of uh align with what's true for us and and dissociate and stop buying into uh, harmful limitations that aren't true um that really keep us in separateness and um, judging one another rather than being true to ourselves and celebrating the truth we see in another and really lifting each other up. Um, right. that, that I feel like is a huge um, shift that, that um, we have a lot of work to do in as a, as a culture. Um, this body, the body liberation project is by Chrissy King. It's a new book. Um, and you know, what she says in it is not new, but it's, it's a lot of, it gave me a lot of, um, thought provoking inquiry, um, reflection questions and I'm, I'm loving it. Hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, so, so here's my question to you, and then I will make a stop because I could ask you so many more questions. This has been such a good conversation. Um, but Aaron, if if people were to take away any one thing from this conversation, to remember they're, they're so busy, the women listening, um, what would you want to make sure that they remembered from you mm. today? Mm. The very first thing that, that comes to me, um, actually, and it didn't come to my head, interestingly, it came into my chest, is to listen to your body, yeah. to listen to your body. Yeah. And um, that that's um, the, the philosophy we have in Mia, um, and I think it applies universally that when we get busy, when we get in our heads, when we are on our computers, going through the motions of life, it's so easy to just think the body is there to carry our heads around, <laughs> right? The body is so much more. And so to really begin to honor your body by listening and giving the body space to speak its needs, 
whether that's through the language of sensation, pleasure, and pain, or through um, smaller indicators like, hmm, I just, you know, I have this urge to change my position or get a glass of water or, you know, shake whatever it is. The body has this incredible wisdom um, and it's ancient wisdom. And we tend to um, think that modern is better and, you know, the newer newfangled stuff and the wisdom of this body got us, it evolved us to this place. Right. And, you know, so to listen to your body. Where I am ashamed to admit that often I power through what that wisdom is. Oh, I would like to get up. No, I can't get up. I have to keep working. Yeah. Listen to your body. Well, that's something I think I know people will take from this. So again, Erin, this is great. I look forward to working with you in some way with the heroines that my community of heroines and I encourage people to check out. So the next Teller's Garden would be June something Friday. Yes, I think it's early in June next month, first Friday always lands on that, you know, it changes, but it's June 2nd. Okay. Um, if, if this comes out there, but it's first Friday throughout the year. So you can count on that. The show starts at 7 p.m. And it's at the Portland Media Center, which is located at 516 Congress Street. And um, there's a suggested uh, ticket price of $15 per person, $10 for seniors. And, um, you know, we don't have a practice of turning people away. So this is just to cover our rent. And we do right. this, uh, we're citizen actors, and we do this as a service to the community. Oh, and it is a service. And, and Nia, we'll put these in the show notes, but how to get a hold of you and your Nia classes, which are online and in person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if people are curious about Nia, um, the website for the practice is Nia now. That's N-I-A-N-O-W.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you have given us so much, so many tools, things to look at, um, shared your story. I wish I could play it back to you, but, <laughs> but so much of it is who you are and how you express with all of you, not just the words that come out of your mouth. So thank you, Susanna. Lovely. Thank you, Erin. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you'll stay tuned for the next one, which should come out in two weeks, another heroine on her journey. And good luck and blessings on your journey. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLiller.com and visit the website at SusannaLiller.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.